This morning, I want to continue with the message I started some weeks back, titled it Questions, and uh, we've been asking different questions. And today, the question I want answered uh, that God will help us answer is, how is the cross Satan's ultimate defeat or Satan's absolute defeat? How is that? Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Uh, speak to us today. We welcome your presence and what you have to say to us. Thank you for giving us hearts that can receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Question, not for most believers, but people who are not saved always have this question. If you tell them Jesus put Satan to shame, Jesus destroyed Satan. And then the question is, if Jesus did that, why do we have all these troubles in the world? They are aware that Satan is responsible for the troubles we have on the earth. So it really, if you're not spiritual, it doesn't make sense to you that Jesus has actually destroyed the devil. And then we have other questions. Why does the New Testament call uh, Satan the God of this world? What, what world is God talking about? Is God the God of this world or is Satan the God of this world? How do you separate that? And so we really want to know, and more so we want to know who is in charge or who is in control of, of the affairs of man on the earth. Who is really in control? Is God in control or is it Satan that is in control or is it the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is in control? Is it the presidents and the governors that are in control? Who is really in control of what's happening on earth? What happens to mankind on earth? So we'd like to answer these questions. Really, if you look into it carefully, you begin to discover, especially when God gives you revelation, you begin to understand that God has destroyed Satan for sure. But the problem is, human beings are so used to being in prison. They are so used to being in prison that even though the doors of the prison have been opened, they are still not sure whether they want to walk out or remain in prison. Jesus said, a man that is used to drinking old wine doesn't immediately desire new wine because he says the old is better. Unless you taste the new wine, you never know. Jesus has freed every man. Jesus has destroyed the enemy. The enemy has no power on any man but the power that a man gives to him. And the way out of the prison is to accept what Jesus has done on the cross. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to cry. You don't have to beg. That work was done for you. All you have to do is accept it, believe in it, that Jesus did a good job. When he said on the cross, it is finished, he finished the work for you and you can come into God's very presence and you're welcome. No matter how bad you've been. No matter what you did that put you in prison. You're free. You can come out. So the only reason it seems as if Satan is still alive and is still working is because men have not recognized or accept the freedom that God is giving to them. Jesus put it, I believe it was John the Baptist that says, light has come 
into the world. But men love darkness rather than light. For some reason, they don't want to come out of that darkness. They are comfortable. But that's a horrible place to be. Because that is the world where Satan is God. That's the world where Satan is God. And if you stay in that world, all you will experience is trouble and no help from anywhere. So the best thing for a man to do is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just acknowledge it. And your name will be written in the book of life. And when you die, when you close your eyes right here, the next second you are in the presence of the Father. No questions asked about how bad you have been before you received the Lord. That was a blessing that came into my life when I knew all my sins could be forgiven. Everything that I'd done, forgiven. Those crazy secrets that I kept to myself, whatever it was, that I don't want people, they all gone. Forgiven. I can talk about them openly because they're no longer part of my life. God forgave me and I feel it. I'm forgiven. I'm no longer that person. I'm free. God made you a new creature when you come to Christ. But So who is in charge of the affairs of men? Who? Who is in authority of what happens to you and myself? Who is responsible for what's going on in our lives? In Luke chapter 10, verse 18 and 19, I'm going to read this scripture, really unique scripture. Here. It says, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, 70 of them. They had gone out in pairs to speak to the people, to bring people to, the, to Christ. And, and as they went, they performed miracles. They cast out devils. And that's never happened to them before. They were so excited. Devils listened to them and came out of people. And so when they got to Jesus, they were so excited. They told Jesus, hey. Listen, even the devils, they were not talking about the healings and all of that. In that time, it was a big thing to be able to cast out a devil. That's an evil spirit. And so they said, Jesus, even the devils were subject to us in your name. And he said, in that very hour, Jesus rejoiced in his spirit. And he gave thanks to the Father. And then he announced something to the people. He said, I was a witness. I was there. I saw Satan. Fall from heaven like lightning. I saw him when that happened. I was there. I was a witness to that. And right now, I'm beginning to see him fall again on the earth. I read it to you. He said, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It was his authority that threw Satan out of heaven. The same authority will throw Satan out of your life. No matter what he's against you with in your life, God can take that out if you will trust him. His, Jesus said, I saw Satan. I was a witness. I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. And he'll fall like lightning from your life this morning in Jesus' name. He says, behold, I give you the authority. So there is the authority that threw Satan out of heaven. Jesus said, I give you the authority to tread on serpents. And scorpions. And over all the powers of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. That's Satan. I'm giving you power over all of his power. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know what he has power over sometimes in people's lives? He can have power over people's finances. Yeah. 
He can have power over your relationship. He can have power over your body when you get sick. He can cause so much trouble in your career. He can make you so confused. You wonder why you were born. You think that the world is against you. And you really cannot focus on God. You're not sure. He can make you so anxious. But Jesus said, I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. And he's going to fall like lightning from your life this morning. In Jesus name. And God has given you the authority over all of his power. And God said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. That means when you exercise that authority, he cannot hurt your finances. He cannot hurt, hurt your relationships. He cannot destroy your children. He cannot harm your children. You're free. And Jesus rejoiced in his spirit. Jesus has actually conquered the enemy. The Bible tells us that. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Jesus told us. The Bible tells us that he spoiled, he destroyed, spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of it openly. And then in Matthew chapter 28, he tells us in his word, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus said, I have all the powers. I have all the authorities, mine. God has given it to me. I have it. And if you belong to him, you have the same authority and you have the same power. That's why I believe he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He has no more power. I give you that authority, that power to tread on him. Serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Regardless of what way, what form he decides to come against your life. Jesus said, tread on it. It's under your feet. Amen. How so? The reason is because of our union with Jesus. See? Our union with the Master. When God the Father sent His Son, because He needed sons and daughters, He made us part of His family. We become like His Son. We become like the Lord Jesus Himself. And the power and authority belong to us. They belong to us. Now, listen. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 through 23, and I read this scripture, I'd like you to really understand what God is saying here. God is talking about the power that God demonstrated when he raised Jesus from the dead after he'd been dead for three days. Now, for us, it doesn't make any sense. You know, we've heard it a lot. You know, Jesus rose from the dead after three days. It doesn't mean a lot to us anymore in most cases. But in the time, in the Bible days, he meant a lot to them. They had never heard of somebody dying and coming back to life, never to die again. And that's news to them. And that's, their message was focused on that. That God had raised Jesus from the dead. That was their message. They said, you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. And now, he is no longer going to die. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Great news. The, the Athenians said, we want to hear about this. Tell us about this man that's raised from the dead. But look at what the Bible says. 
that it was God's power that he walked in Christ that raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So God raised Jesus and sat him down at his, the, the right hand means the right power, power, the right hand of God's power. Every power that God has is his. He seated him at his right hand, far above all principality, that's anything that has power in the universe, all of them. Every power, might, and dominion, and every name. Cancer is a name. Every name has some power. Cancer has power to kill, right? Yeah, but God says, God had given Jesus power over every name, hardship, whatever it is. And had put all things under his feet. And gave him to be head over all things. Notice he put all things under his feet. And then he gave him to be head over all things. To the church. So he is our head. Which is his body. If you belong to Christ, you are part of, part of uh, Jesus' body. He says the fullness of it, of him, that fills all in all. So Jesus, his body is part of him that fills all in all. Without his body, Jesus cannot fill all in all. You are part of that. And you have to understand this relationship that we have with Christ. We're always thinking of a relationship that we have with Christ. He's up in heaven right there, and I'm right here. That's not the way God sees it. The relationship we have with Christ is not a functional relationship. It is an organic relationship. It's not a functional relationship. A functional relationship is what you see with a company or an organization where they have a, a, a board members. The board members have powers, right? But they are not one. You know, they are individuals and they can come together and do something. That's a functional relationship, right? But what we have with Christ is not that. This is an organic relationship. He is the head and we are his body. We are part of Him. It's not a mystical relationship. It's not an allegorical relationship. It's not a symbolic relationship as people want to tell you. It's symbolic. It's not, there's nothing like that. This is a union between us and Himself, God. He made us a part of Himself. We are part of Him. In this relationship. It's an organic, organic relationship. When you have a body, the whole part of the body draws from the life of that body, right? Jesus happens to be the head of that body. And we, he said it, I am the branch and you are the, uh, the branches. You can't separate the branch from the vine, the one. So we have his authority. The church is the one that's making the call on the earth. That's what I'm after. You decide what happens on the earth. Because Jesus is, he has all the authority in heaven and on earth. And then he says, go. And you are part of his body. It's the union that we have with him. If you don't understand it, I'd like you to understand from the, from the first Adam. Because 
the Bible says we are the bride of Christ, right? That's what the Bible tells us. You can read that. We are the bride of Christ. Well, go to the first Adam. When the first Adam was created, God brought all these animals to him and said, Call them by name. Call them. What do you want? Whatever you call them, that's going to be your name. Call them. And he said, but for Adam, Adam called them, but God recognized, no, something is missing. Adam needs a mate. Adam needs somebody that looks like him. That he can confer with and talk about things to do on the earth. Adam needs somebody just like him. Right? Somebody that he could share with, plan with. Make decisions with. How to turn the, the, the garden and all of that. God said, you need somebody. And guess what God did? He put Adam into a deep sleep, right? And after he put Adam into that deep sleep, he opened his side. And out of that opening, he brought a bride. Right? To Adam. He, was, he looked exactly the same as Adam. Adam was the head. Adam got very excited. He said, hey, I don't know, I don't see anywhere in the scripture where Adam was saying, thank you, Lord. <laughs> he was more excited about seeing the woman than anything else. <laughs> he says, wow, now, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And God said, the one, two were from. So in that regard, the antitype, which is Christ, the second Adam. The Bible calls Jesus the second Adam, right? Jesus is the second Adam. Now, after the second Adam comes, he had to go with the same experience that the first Adam went through, right? So he had to go through a deep sleep as well to get his bride. Amen? And his deep sleep... Was death. And you remember the PST side, right? And in three days, we were born. And now I believe Jesus is saying, Born of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We're born. And Jesus said, The glory that you have given me, I want you to give to them the same glory. So we belong to Him. We make the shot, we make the call here. On the earth. We as believers. If we will understand. What this relationship is. So. We've talked a lot about different things. But what are the practical effects. That's good to hear. But what are the practical effects. Then of our organic relationship with the Lord. How do we benefit from this. How is the cross. A part of what we're talking about. You know, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is a full demonstration of absolute selflessness. Amen. See, selfishness was destroyed on the cross. Because if you have total selfishness, what you will have is total hostility. So me, if I don't get it, somebody's going to pay the price. And if you have total hostilities, what we'll have is anarchy. Let me let you know this. 
If Satan were to be left alone, nothing restricting him on the earth, they will turn this place into hell. I'm telling you. No government will be able to rule. And the only force on earth that is contesting Satan's full rule on the earth, guess what? The church, you and I. It's our prayer. That's why God wants us to pray. Our prayers. What we did there this morning. Praise and worship. You understand what I'm saying? That's what is holding him back. I know he's very frustrated. Because he's been destroyed. He can't do anything. Now he's mad. He wants to destroy the world. He's still an angel. Destroyed. But because you and I are here, he really cannot do his job. Someone said something right. He said, the faith, the faith of the world, faith of the world is in the hands of just a few nameless saints who are praying. Just you. Jesus put it this way. Pray this way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you as a saint begin to pray that, this place will change. It's in your hands. You are part of him. A man discusses with his wife as to what to do, right? You confer. And the same thing, Jesus talked to me about what's going on. Tell me what you want on the earth. That's why the scripture says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Without you, believers, this world would be in darkness, total darkness. You hold the light. Believers, you. We need to know who we are in Christ. We are the one that's holding the devil down. We can control nations with our prayers. If you read in the Old Testament how the, the prophets will control a whole nation. They walk up to the king and they tell the king what should be done. And if the king refuses, Elijah says, you will not drink water for the next three years. They subdued kingdoms. Amen. They subdued kingdoms. And it's your turn today. And God is looking to you. We are not beggarly elements in the earth. We have been made a new creation in Christ. We're different. And until you recognize it, because the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. You, until we recognize the authority that we have, and that we can decree, as the word of God says, decree a thing, and I will establish it. You decree it, and I, it will be established. But if you look at yourself as a victim, then we will never reach our full potential. You should never be afraid of anything, no matter what's coming to us. I really need to move. Look, at Psalm 149, verse 5 through 9, says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. <laughs> Where should they be joyful in? In glory. Why? Because God has given you glory. The glory that I have, I have given to them. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God. Man, if you're singing in your bed, you must be happy, right? Yeah. <laughs> No sad person is going to be singing on his bed. He just wants to sleep and forget his sorrows, right? He says to sing aloud on your bed. Make sure your wife is already asleep or she's somewhere else or you'll be in trouble. <laughs> singing aloud. 
Some of us sing with snoring, no kidding. <laughs> Let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. To execute vengeance on the, what? On the nations. The sins, executing judgment on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with feathers of iron so the sins can bind kings. I think it's a good place to say glory. (laughs) I can bind kings and put them in chains. Amen. To execute on them the written judgment, what the Bible says. He says, this honor of all the saints. Say to yourself, I'm a saint. saint. You got that honor. Yes. Yes. Bind what you don't want. Amen. Bind what you don't want. If it's coming to your family, bind it. Throw it out of your life. George Washington says this is impossible rightly to govern the world without God and the Bible. First president of the United States. That's what he said. Daniel Webster. You know about Daniel Webster. This is what he said. If we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering and to prosper. But if we or our posterity neglect its instructions and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury all our glory in profound obscurity. Are we not seeing that today? They have abandoned. See what's happening? Look at what's going on with the economy. I told somebody if the President Bush knew what to do to change the economy, he would do it. Even with the new president, he's just trying things. He doesn't know what to do. Nobody knows. Why? They have forgotten the authority. And Christians have forgotten their own authority. If all of us decide to pray for this country, all over the country, it will change. The president will take the glory, but uh, he knows that really I didn't know what to do about this thing. God, if all of us will pray in unity, things will change, transform immediately. It's all in our hands. So I want to go into some other area that is so important to me. What about... The one who owns the power, who holds the power with regards to salvation. Is it Satan, the church, or God? I know what your response will be God. Yes. That's how we respond. God is responsible for that. God saves whoever He wants to save. So, why are you praying for your, your brother that is not saved? How do you know that God wants to save him? Everyone is not saved. So how do you know? Well, I just pray and try. So after I've spoken to God, it's up to him. I've done my part. Okay, if he dies and goes to hell, that's his problem. But I prayed. And, and, and God answered the way he wanted. Well, that's not what God said. That's not what he said. God says, if you ask anything according to his will, he hear you. Right? If you ask anything according to his will, he hear you. If it's financial, it's according to his will. You need to find the will, right? If it's his will for you to prosper, you ask according to his will. He hear you. 
If he doesn't hear you, he's a liar. Don't throw stones at me. God is not a liar. <laughs> Amen? But the point is, he cannot lie. If he tells you, if you ask anything according to his will, he will answer. When you pray for somebody who is not saved, or a family member, look at what God said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your house. Well, that's a bold statement. Is God going to override their will? I thought a man's will has a place in this. Right? So all I can do is pray and hope that somehow God is going to change their will. And if he doesn't, well, I've done my part. I want you to understand something here. And I'm going to use this scripture here. Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. It says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Who is saying come? The spirit and the bride. The spirit and the bride say, come. Not just the spirit alone. He wants to save everybody. He's his will, right? But the bride has to say, come as well. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. So, if God hears it, he's going to say come too, right? <laughs> when the Spirit is saying come, and the bride is saying come. Not just when the Spirit says come, but when both the Spirit and the bride say come. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. Remember? Adam and Eve. Christ and the church. Both of us have to be in agreement. Now, look at what he's saying. Let the, the Spirit... And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. <laughs> so you come into the guy who is not saved, right? Let him come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So he's talking about salvation. Once you say, come. It's already God's will to save them. God made it clear. That's why God could say to us, we got that authority in us. That's why God could say to us, you believe, be saved, and you will be saved, and your family will be saved. I don't have to pray about my children, they will be saved. They ain't going nowhere. I got that authority. Many of us, Jesus said this, I believe in John chapter 6 verse 44. He said, no man can come to me except the Father draws him. You know what they were, they were arguing with him. He said, you don't have any understanding of what I'm saying right now. Because the Father hasn't drawn you. If the Father has, he said, everyone who hears from the Father, he's going to come to me. How are they going to hear from the Father to go to Jesus? Your prayers. You agreed with the master. You got authority. You are seated with him in heavenly places. We have been co-crucified according to the word of God. We have been co-crucified, co-raised, co-exalted, co-seated at the right hand of the father. Bible tells us as Ephesians 2 verse 6, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are right there with him. Let the bride and the spirit say come. No one comes to the Father except the, to Jesus except the Heavenly Father draws him. So how is God going to draw them? Is God going to choose, oh, I want to draw this one. No, I don't want to draw this one. I'll try a little bit. I'm tired of drawing this. I'll let him go. I'm going to draw this other one here right now. No, your prayers. 
How many times have you heard about people who said, I was real crazy, I did some mad, terrible stuff, but my grandma wouldn't give up? You heard about that? My grandma, she doesn't, she doesn't know how to shut up. <laughs> yeah, I am. Knew me. Because mama doesn't know how to quit. Amen. That authority we have with him. Praying. Paul knew what that is. Remember Paul? Saul. Huh? Many of us were rebellious. I was talking about it, how rebellious I was in the early days before 1975 when I accepted the Lord. I didn't want to serve God. I was enjoying some of those crazy things that I was doing. The bell-bottom pants, you know. The afro that I can't grow anymore, you know. (laughs) Hey, stop laughing. (laughs) And those big, you know, huge belts. And slim fish shirts, we call them in those days. And platform shoes that make you walk like you're going to be destroyed any minute, you know. I love those things. I never, hey, I, my question was, if, if I received Christ, what would I be doing after that? Only sing praises, boy, that's boring. You understand what I'm saying? But the time came, rebelling against God was too difficult. Samuel was praying for me, that's my friend. It was too difficult to rebel, so I just gave him. It's better to, I just give him. I give him a followed card. I didn't want to go to hell. Hell was so real to me, there was no way to go back. I knew too much about the things of God. The pressure was on. Paul knew what that is. You remember, Paul was persecuting the church, right? He was persecuting the body of Christ. He persecuted them and he was going from city. He was like a crazed man. And you know, Christians, when they are bothered about something, guess what they do? They pray a lot. <laughs> Amen? I'm sure they were praying in tongues and praying for Paul. God, do something to this Paul. They knew not to pray to God and uh, to destroy Paul because Jesus said, pray for your enemies, you know? So they were praying for Paul and praying for Paul, but Paul was still crazy. He's got to kill them. And when he wrote to Damascus, guess what? Jesus appeared. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? We go back to the first Adam. One and the same. You persecute the body of Christ. You persecute Christ. That's him. And Jesus told Paul, it's very hard for a man to kick against pricks. You can't do it. You know what that means? Every time you are praying for that child that is out. Amen? Every time you are praying for that one that you want saved, you are putting pricks in their paths, okay? <laughs> they can't fight it anymore. Before long, they are going to yield. It's, 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 too, it's, it's easier to just submit to God than to keep fighting. I'll just go for God. So that's what we need to do. First John chapter f- uh, 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God is not willing that any should perish. But that all will come to repentance. So today, we have the whole of the Cypress area to minister to. 
And I can guarantee you, if you start praying for this Cypress area, and I'm doing that, and asking God to kick out all the principalities and the things that are blinding the people of this, tech, this area, and I'm not going to quit, guess what's going to happen? They'll start finding the Lord. If you zero in on that child, and you start praying and refuse to quit, that child is coming. Our prayers will be answered because we are one with the Master. We are organically linked with Him. What you desire is what He desires. And His desires must be met if you are in relationship with Him. John Wesley said, God doesn't do anything except through prayer. Somebody on the earth has to pray. And if you decide to pray, God will do it. I heard this story and I will close with this. Of a, 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 a church. This located one neighborhood and decided they would circle that place driving every time and just praying over that neighborhood for God to deliver them. And they continued. Just kept, they drive around it, circle it around and pray for the people that God will save them, God will bless them and all of that. Guess what? The people started coming to church. Nobody was witnessing to them. They started coming. This Saturday, I'm going out. But I'm going to form a team of people, if you're willing. Let's be driving around this Cypress area. And begin to say, sit and you give up. Unless you don't have a heart from God. God, the heart of God says, the harvest is plentiful. Laborers of you. Pray for the, to the Lord of the harvest. That he will send laborers into his harvest field. God wants people in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Enjoy it. So I'd like to see you 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. Amen? Even if you don't want to give anything out, drive in your car and pray for this neighborhood. And God is going to do a miracle for us. I want to see souls saved. We want to see souls saved in, Niger- in this Nigeria as well as this place. We- very soon we'll be getting on television in Nigeria. I'm working with the guy. He says he's traveling with the governor. But he's working with me. So that we pay to have a space on television. He said maybe around 11 o'clock on one, one of the weekdays we will be on there. And I'm planning what God will do. We want to reach out to souls. We want to win souls here. We have to do this together. Amen. You got the authority. The power is in your hand. What you decree is what's going to happen. What you decree in your family is what's going to happen. What you decree on your children in the name of Jesus The name that is above every name, that's what's going to happen to them. What you decree on your finances, that's what's going to happen. What you say about your finances, that's what's going to happen. If you keep saying, I I can't have it, I can't have it, that's what's going to happen to you. But you got to trust in God. Would you stand up with me this morning? Amen. I'm going to make it very clear. If you have not made a true commitment to the Lord Jesus, please bow your heads, close your eyes. You have an opportunity this morning to make that commitment to the Lord. And you're not doing it for anybody, but a relationship between you and your God. Just you and your God. And all you have to do is put your hand up and say, I want that relationship. I want it to be rich. Maybe you have a relationship with him, but you are not as fervent. Thank you so much. You are not as fervent as 
you should be and you know it. But you are saying this morning, God, if you give me grace, I'm tired of living the life of a hypocrite. I want to live for you. You really don't have the power to do it. He has to give it to you. But you have to be willing to be united with the Savior. If you are that person this morning, I want you to put your hand up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Any other person, just put your hand up quickly and put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Put your hand up. God is watching. You're not doing it for me. Thank you, girl. Appreciate that. Love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That's all we need to do. Because God is at work with us. God is at work. And he's doing a great work in our lives. He loves you dearly. But beyond that, I want to see you as a giant. If you are hopeless about any situation this morning, I believe this is not from me, this is from the Lord. You need to give that hopelessness off. Give it up right now. And begin to trust God. God will take care of whatever that is that bug in your life. All you need to do is draw closer to the master and be sincere in your relationship. Prayer partners, please come up front here. Whatever your need is from the Lord today, if you need somebody to agree with you in prayer, that's why we are here in His very presence. You're saying, God, I want, I want, I want somebody to, to agree with me that God will do this for me in my life. Please come up and uh, let our prayer partners agree with you. The music on. We're just waiting on you. Please come up. But I want you to thank God from your heart for the authority that God has given to you. Jesus said, Behold, I gave you power. I gave you power. The authority is yours. Exercise it right now against whatever that is that the enemy is coming against your life with. Father, we thank you for the authority that we have in Christ. We thank you for those that are living in the Cyprus area, Lord God. I believe that Satan will have to let go of them. He cannot keep them anymore because we decree their freedom in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they will find their place in your house of God and relate to you, Father, and be a part of this blessed kingdom. Your word says it's your will to give us the kingdom. And Lord, Satan cannot keep these people out because your son, Jesus Christ, died for them. And for your people, they are blessed, oh God. They are blessed coming in. They are blessed going out. Everything they set their hands to do, Lord, is blessed in the name of Jesus. They will be first. They will be above and not beneath. They will be the head and not the tail. They will prosper in everything that they do. Because your hand is upon your people. Thank you, Father, for your love. We give you praise today. Fill our hearts with your joy, O God, and your goodness, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Please come up if you need prayer.